Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. What's up, Peak City? How are you doing? Good. Good, good, good. Happy New Year. You look good. You look like you're nine days in on some good resolutions, losing weight already. You look amazing. So glad to have you with us. You know, like Taylor said, if it is your first time, man, we're thrilled to have you with us. And uh, I, I just believe with all of my heart that uh, I know it's hard to come to church for the first time, but making this a part of your regular rhythm and routine is such a beautiful thing. Uh, even if you aren't sure what you believe just yet, Right, like this is a room full of people who are all committed to growing together into the best version of ourselves. And the way that we do that is by discovering who Jesus really is, right? And, and in my experience, there is nothing more transformative that you could spend your year on than discovering who Jesus really is for yourself. And so, man, we're thrilled to have you with us. Uh, before we jump into our message today, I wanna celebrate uh, two things with you, all right? So we're gonna have a little party and celebrate before we dive into all that God has for us today because we're nine days into the year and God is already moving in in just a powerful way here at Peak City. And so I, I wanna celebrate with you. We'd be crazy if we let the past nine days go by without just making a big deal about it. Seven days ago, um, it was funny, we had our first like official Sunday of the year, but it wasn't really our services because if you're here, you know, we weren't in here. We were out in the lobby and it was funny because we actually had um, a few people who came for the very first time and they had no idea that it wasn't a normal service. All right, last Sunday, we packed over 60,000 meals for One Love Academy in Ethiopia. And total, we're, we're sending over 100,000 meals uh, there, which is just so beautiful, man. Like I just love being a part of a church that makes a difference. Uh, that, 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 um, even in the midst of a pandemic, you know, that we could have been very self-focused. This church has continued to be externally focused and it's just a beautiful thing, man. And so I love starting the year off like that. If you missed it, we'll do another meal pack event at some point, uh, but it was wild. Somebody threw my face up there, didn't they? How dare they? That was celebrating a meal that we had just packed. So that, that, that was a big deal. I, I, I look constipated, but it's all good. Um, but man, that, that was incredible. And uh, I want you to know that those meals were made possible because of your generosity. All right, we, we did this big thing in the month of December where we had this big year-end offering. We do it every year, we call it our Build the Future offering. And uh, it's, a, it's a chance for us to build the future for somebody outside of our walls and also build the future for those inside our walls, right? Like we built the future for these kids in Ethiopia by providing meals for them for up to a year. Um, but we're also building the future here of what God's doing inside these walls, that God is moving in such a powerful way right now in our church. And so we're still a young church and uh, we're trying to lay a, a, a healthy financial foundation so we can keep growing and keep pursuing all God has for us. Now, I gotta confess something to you. All right, I, uh, I made a mistake, okay? I set a uh, stupid goal for us. I shouldn't have told you about it. It was dumb, okay? I set a goal for us. Now, the goal I set was in December that we would raise $200,000 above our monthly operating expenses as a church. And that would be our build the future offering, right? Now, that was a stupid goal. I shouldn't have told you that, okay? That's my bad. Uh, because our, the, the, the biggest year-end offering we've ever given was last year, and that was $140,000 above our monthly operating expenses, right? And, and that was during a building campaign. Like, we we're trying to build this house. 
So no wonder we gave bigger than we'd ever given before. I shouldn't have said $200,000, that's my bad. Please forgive me, okay? I wanna to report to you what we were able to raise, all right? The goal was $200,000 above our operating expenses. We were able to, in the month of December, raise $30,000 above. I set you guys up so good on this one. <laughs> I did it last Thursday morning too. We raised $30,000 above our goal. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, the look on your faces, man. I was waiting all week for that look. Oh, 9 a.m. did it too. They were like, oh, this is gonna get awkward. $230,000 above our operating expenses in the month of December alone is the biggest year in offering we've ever had as a church. It's just wild, man, that's wild. I'm so pumped about it, man. My jaw was just on the floor. And so I just wanna say thank you to all of you who gave and sacrificially uh, helped help make that happen. Um, I see God building here such an encouraging and such a generous church. And I'm, I'm a church nerd, so I study churches all across the country. And I'm telling you, when I see churches that are generous and encouraging, both of those, that combo, that's a church that God blesses and God grows. And so I just want you to know that is, that is not because of preaching and worship and everything happens here, that's because of you all. So the, the, the church that God is building here is so, so, so special. And I just wanna encourage you in that. And, and, and if, it, it, uh, if you didn't give, uh, you can still jump on that, that, that uh, generosity train that's going right now. Go to peakcityco.com and you, uh, you can set up your monthly giving. Uh, we, we celebrate those year-end offerings. They're incredible, that's big. And it's gonna help us uh, jump on a lot of opportunity this year. But you need to know, and those of you in the room, I can spot you and look at you that help support this church every single month. You know that what really makes this church go is regular monthly giving. It's a great discipline to get into in your life, to discipline yourself in generosity. So I wanna encourage you uh, to check that out today if you aren't already giving. So big, big stuff happening, all right? If you have a Bible and you wanna get there, we're in Luke chapter 12. We're gonna be in Luke 12 for the whole month of January. So if you're new to the Bible and you're not sure what you believe, if you're not used to reading the Bible, we're just gonna take a few verses each week. It's gonna be very easy to digest, but it's, not, it's, it's, uh, it's simple, but it's not, easy, okay? The stuff we're going over this month is simple to understand, but difficult to apply. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring you a collection of messages that I've prepared for you called One Word That Can Change Your Life. All right, one word that can change your life. And I know as soon as I say that, what some of y'all cynics are thinking. New Year, New Me sermon series, here we go. A January series, one word, it's like a word of the year, you know, like word of the year is like a big thing, especially like on Twitter. You're like, like my word of the year is serenity. My word of the year is conquer, right? And you're like, yeah, 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 I've heard it all, whatever. New year, new me series, one word that can change your life. I know what you're thinking because I've got that inner skeptic, that inner cynic, that inner critic as well. And I just wanna encourage you as your pastor to, to silence and fully reject hard pass on that inner critic and that inner skeptic during the series. Because I believe with all of my heart that God wants to change your life this year. And I think we'd be crazy to let the opportunity of a new year beginning not allow us to then feed off of that motivation a little bit and say, God, we're open to changing. We're open to you growing us. I'm saying, see, God loves you where you are right now. Right, when we're actually gonna talk about that today. You could never grow, you could never change and God's love for you would still be there. He loves you exactly where you are right now. But also God loves you too much to, to leave you where you are, right? God wants to grow you, he wants to change you. And I believe there's one word that if you will embrace it 
and apply it to your life, I believe it has the power this year to change your life. It's one word that has multiple meanings, multiple contexts, and we're gonna explore it all this month through Luke chapter 12. One word that can change your life, all right? And that one word is the word enough, all right, enough, enough. You're not gonna see that word actually in Luke chapter 12, you're just gonna see the concept of it all over the place, all right? The word is enough. Luke chapter 12, we're gonna start in verse one. Y'all ready? Let's go, all right. I told somebody in between services, 9 a.m. was a little sleepy day, and I get it, snowing outside, I get it. So, but when they're a little sleepy and they're not, they're not bringing much energy, I just yell more. I won't, <laughs> I won't yell at you guys as much this time, it'll be all right. You guys are already bringing more energy. Luke chapter 12, verse one, the word that can change your life is enough. Here we go. It says, meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first, not to the crowds, but to his disciples saying, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now pause. Lot going on, one verse, but a lot, lot, lot going on here, all right? Jesus has um, begun his ministry and he's seen a lot of success. People are loving Jesus. He's healing people. He's teaching people like they've never been taught before. And people are coming by the thousands to see him, right? It says, Jesus shows up to this town and thousands come. So much so that they're trampling over one another to get as close as they can to Jesus. But, but here's the deal. It's not just Jesus that they're trying to get close to. Jesus has an entourage. Jesus has a crew, right? 12 guys that he has handpicked to be his disciples. 12 guys that he's gonna, he's gonna replicate his leadership in them so that one day he knows he's gonna leave this earth. He can hand the mission and hand the ministry off to them and they can run with it, right? And so Jesus, yes, people wanna get close to him. But make no mistake about it, people are also starting to idolize the disciples. These guys are like the chosen 12, like they are in the inner circle, the inner sanctum, right? And so people don't just wanna get close to Jesus, they wanna get close to his disciples. I mean, these guys are like in this moment, they're feeling like the OG boy band, right? This is like the first century Judean backstreet boys. Like everybody's trying to get close to the disciples. They're feeling like the Beatles, right? Like thousands of people, can you imagine? Just put yourself in their shoes. Thousands of people trampling over one another to get close to you. Keep in mind, these dudes, like a couple months ago, they were common, ordinary, broke fishermen. <laughs> they were nobodies. And then all of a sudden, overnight, they had become somebodies, right? And so Jesus in this moment is so, so interesting. Thousands are coming, they're trampling over. And what does he do? He doesn't first speak to the crowd. He first turns to the disciples and he speaks to them because Jesus sees what's going on. Jesus knows what's happening in their hearts. You know, Jesus actually knows you better than you know yourself. Nobody knows you better than your maker. Jesus knows what's going on in here at all times. Right, and so Jesus sees what's happening to the disciples. See, Jesus sees there's, there's two things happening in their heart. One is they see this great opportunity, right? They've never experienced fame like this. They've never experienced influence like this. I mean, just imagine if your platform, imagine if your fame and celebrity and wealth just 10X overnight, 
right? There'd be such opportunity you would feel like, oh my gosh, like the network I can build and, and like the, the career possibilities and the influence and possibly the wealth that's gonna come my way, right? You'd feel this great opportunity. But Jesus knew when he turned and looked at his disciples that there's another side of what's going on in their hearts, that there is great opportunity that they feel. And at the same time, there is also great insecurity that they feel, right? Because remember, these guys just a couple months ago were nobodies. <laughs> so everybody's trampling to get to them. And Jesus knows that inside they're seeing opportunity, but they're also feeling insecure, right? They're thinking, man, what if these people get so close to me that they start to see that I'm just like them? What if these people get so close to me and they're not impressed? What if these people get so close to me and they see that I'm just kind of ordinary, right? They're starting to feel feelings of a lack of self-worth, lack of confidence. They're starting to have feelings of fear of failure, right? Because deep down, they don't believe, here it is, that they are enough. They don't believe they're enough. The thousands are coming to see them and deep down they go, who am I? Who am I to deserve this kind of, kind of attention? I'm, I'm, I'm a nobody, I'm not enough. And Jesus says, when he sees that division in their heart, when he sees hypocrisy, when he sees opportunity and he sees insecurity, he, 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 he uh, has a word for them, right? He says, you need to be on guard. In this moment, when you feel both those things, when you feel that opportunity and insecurity, you need to be on guard against hypocrisy, hypocrisy. Right, and, and hypocrisy, that's a word that we use a lot. We lob it as a grenade at the church. Oftentimes church is full of hypocrites, but like, you know what hypocrisy means though. Hypocrisy is just when there is a gap between the real you and the you that you project to the world. That's hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is when you pretend, when you perform, when you project, when there is a gap between who you really are and who you want others to think you are. That is hypocrisy. And he says, in this moment, when you're feeling insecure, when you have low self-worth, when you aren't sure that you're enough, you need to be on guard against hypocrisy. Jesus knew that insecurity is actually what gives birth to hypocrisy. We always think hypocrisy is like this evil thing that really, really bad people like try to lie to the rest of the world. No, no, hypocrisy lives in every single one of us. When, when, when there is a discrepancy between the real you and the you that you project to the world, it is rooted in insecurity. It's rooted in a belief that you are not enough. The reason you exaggerate those stories at work that you're telling your coworkers is because you think what really happened wouldn't be enough. The reason you lie about your struggles and you cover it up and you make it seem like you're just you got your Sunday best all the time is because you're deathly terrified that if anyone knew the real you, they would reject you because deep down you're convinced that you are not enough. The reason you feel the pressure to perform, the reason you feel that pressure deep down is because you are convinced, you're convinced that if you don't fight tooth and nail and you don't claw and, and, and scratch your way through this life, that you're just not gonna be enough. And so you fake it. You project, you perform, and Jesus wants to root that out of you. Jesus wants to root out that, 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 that lie inside of you that says, I am not enough. 
Jesus wants you to walk in freedom from that. Jesus wants you to walk in freedom from the pressure to perform and the pressure to fake it in this life. And I'm telling you, if there's one thing you could do in 2022, the best way to start your year off is to embrace this reality of, of your worth, of who you really are. See, Jesus sees it happening to the disciples. And he's like, you gotta be on guard against the yeast, the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. I love that he calls it a yeast. All right, I, I, I had a little science experiment, not really a science experiment, just experiment. Uh, in first service, I, I asked the, the, the crowd this question and I got the answer I needed. So I'm assuming I'll have the same answer in this service. Um, how many of you are familiar with the uh, Christmas, in my family is a Christmas baked good called monkey bread? Okay, good. I, I told first service, I was really worried because like, I didn't know if monkey bread was like a popular thing. I thought I might be like the one freak that this family did monkey bread. I have to explain it to everyone. Like it's this thing where you put the yeast and the, the dough in it and then you put it in the oven. But like growing up, man, my mom fixed the best monkey bread. Oh my gosh. It, like I just thinking of it reminds me of Christmas growing up. Right? I love monkey bread. It was so, so, so good. But like the, the coolest part for me as a kid was watching like those little yeast balls, right? Like little, little, little dough balls, you put them in there and it's so small. And then you walk away from it and forget it. And you come back the next morning and it's like overflowing. It's grown and it's huge. Like as a kid, you're like, how did that happen, right? It's amazing. Then you put the glaze on it and put it in the oven. Oh my gosh, it's just heaven, right? It's heaven. Jesus says that that's what hypocrisy is like. When there's a gap between the real you and the you you project, you better keep a close eye on it. Because if you aren't careful, you walk away, you ignore it, and that sucker's gonna grow. And before you know it, you're gonna be a totally different person on the inside than you are on the outside. You're gonna be living a lie before you know it. And so Jesus, I'm telling you, Jesus wants to free you from that today, but I gotta warn you, I gotta warn you. The way he wants to free you, the truths that he wants to share with you to free you from your insecurity that leads to hypocrisy, there's two specific truths that he shares with the disciples. And I, I just wanna warn you that, the, the, and, and these two truths, if you'll embrace them, they will free you from insecurity. They will free you from a lack of self-worth. They will free you from the lie that you are not enough. But I just gotta warn you, one of the truths hurts really bad. One of them hurts and one of them heals. All right, it's like one of them hurts and you're just gonna have to brace for it. All right, you're just gonna have to like get your, get your arm ready. Like, you know, like in, in college guys, like maybe I'm the only dumb one, but like in college, we used to trade licks all the time. Anybody else trade licks with your friends? You're just like, how hard can you hit me? Go. You ever sit back and realize how stupid young men are? Young men in the room? I had no vision for my life. I had no goals. I said, hit me as hard as you can. It's all I wanted to do with my college years. Right? And you just brace for it. You're like, oh no, oh, here it comes, right? I'm telling you, that's what the, 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 the one thing Jesus wants to share with you, it's gonna hurt. And then one thing's gonna heal, all right? The first truth is gonna hurt, get ready. Just brace your arm, brace your arm, here it comes, all right? Verse two, here it is. Oh my gosh, here we go. You're gonna trade licks, but you, you, you're not gonna hit Jesus. He's just gonna hit you. <laughs> Verse two, he says, oh, here it is. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you've whispered in the ear in the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the roofs. Oh, I told you, I told you it's gonna hurt. 
See, Jesus says, if you wanna be freed from insecurity, if you wanna be freed from hypocrisy, you gotta first and foremost understand that God knows you. Everything about you. Everything you've ever said, done, felt, thought, the darkest places of your life, the time when you were at your absolute worst, he was there, front row, he knows you. You can, you can try to hide from the world. You can try to put on a show for them. You can try to fake it for them and you might convince them, but you ain't gonna convince God. He knows you. He sees you. Everything about you is in broad daylight to him. The thing that you're so nervous and terrified to tell somebody about, the thing that you're convinced if they knew about you, they would reject you. He knows it. He sees it. Everything about you is in broad daylight. And I know for some of us, that is terrifying. It's terrifying. Because there's some dark places in our hearts. There's some dark spots in our past that we are just shame-filled about guilt-ridden about. But if you're gonna embrace your worth, if you're gonna claw your way out of insecurity, you gotta first embrace this hard truth that God knows you. I told you it hurts, right? First one hurts, second one heals, right? The first one hurts, but the second one heals. Look, 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 look at the next verse. This is, this is where he's like, I know I hit you hard, but now I'm gonna heal, okay? He says this in verse four. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So, uh, 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 stop there for just a second. That, that's an easy verse where he's trying to say, stop living for the approval of other people. Right? Stop living for their approval because they can't actually do much to you. You worry so much about what, what other people think about you. You should actually worry more about what God thinks about you. Th then he says this, and this is where he starts to heal. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet one of them is not, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. See, he says, the first truth that's gonna hurt you is that I know you. But then he says, let me follow it up with the second truth that should free you from your insecurity. He says, I know you and I love you. You are fully known and fully loved. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Apparently inflation hadn't hit yet. That's a dirt cheap price for birds, man. Five birds for two pennies, man, that's, that's cheap. He's like, the world looks at them as cheap, right? He's like, but not a single one of them is forgotten by me. I know them all. I created them all, he says, right? And you are worth far more than birds, he says. He says, in fact, let me tell you this. You're so loved, you're so fully known and fully loved that I know the very number of hairs on your head. Do you know how useless of a statistic that is? That's dumb, man. Like God, that is like useless knowledge that will benefit no one at any point in time. But God's like, I know it. God's acting like a baseball fan. How many of y'all are baseball fans? All right, somebody said, go ahead. Here's the thing, man. I, I say this in love to you because I, you know, I, I love you fellow sports fans, but baseball fans, y'all are like the freaks of the sports world. 
Baseball fans memorize stats that have no purpose. <laughs> it's like, I know the ERA of like the third string right-handed pitcher on the minor league team. It's like, who cares? Like the, the on-base percentage of the backup second baseman, who cares, right? <laughs> it's useless. But they care because they're obsessed with their team. Right? They're obsessed. God's saying, I know, the, I know useless stuff about you. <laughs> I know everything about you. I even know the useless stuff. That's how much I love you. You are known and you are loved. You are known every, every awful place of your life. He knows it all. And he says, and I fully love you more than you could ever, ever imagine. You see, Jesus has declared value over your life. Jesus has declared that you have value. You know, that's actually what, what makes something worth anything, right? Like that's what brings worth to, a, to, to anything is that someone declares value. Someone declares value and they have the ability to purchase. That's, that's what makes anything worth something, right? I, I was trying to teach this to my, to my oldest son over Christmas break because maybe, uh, maybe we're the only ones. I have a feeling I'm not, but our kids are already done with their Christmas gifts. Anybody, anybody else in the house see their kids not playing with the things that you just spent all that money on? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're the suckers that keep falling for it every year. We give them everything they want and spend all this money and three days later, it's just like in the Goodwill pile. Like my son got two things for Christmas that he just wants nothing to do with anymore. He got, he got a, a Pokemon video game and uh, he got this like, so that, that was one and he played it for a few times and like, you know, Pokemon video games are really just for like the diehard Pokemon people. Like you gotta be diehard to like it and he's not diehard, so he didn't like it. But then the other thing he got that he's done with is this like generic robot. He got this generic robot. It's got like a little remote control with it, but it only does three things. It just goes forward and it goes backward and then it spins. And that's it. And it, it costs the same as the video game, but it's, I mean, it's, like, it's just a generic robot, right? And so he's done with both of them. And, and so I, I see them just sitting there doing nothing. And, and I, I said to him, I said, hey, Emmett, do you want to sell that video game? You're not playing it anymore. Do you like it? He's like, no, I don't like it. It's like, buddy, we could list that thing on Facebook Marketplace and maybe not make all the money back, but most of it, because Pokemon fans, man, they will nerd out over this. Like Pokemon fans will unite and they will have this thing purchased in a heartbeat, right? And uh, he was like, seriously, we could do that? I'm like, yeah, then you could take the money and go to Target, get whatever you want, right? Waste it on other things that you won't want in three weeks. Um, and so we did, we, we listed on Facebook Marketplace and sure enough, Pokemon fans unite. I had like 18 messages in the first hour. Like, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. And so we sold it quick. Well, then my boy goes, hey, can we do the same thing with the robot? Can we list it and sell it? Because it was the same price. I'm like, buddy, that's where you need to understand supply and demand. Because <laughs> nobody wants that stupid robot. <laughs> it has no declared value and nobody wants to purchase it, all right? And he just couldn't understand it. Like I'm trying to teach him you know, basic finance and economics, right? Like he, but he, he, he just couldn't understand it. But because something's only given value, right? Something only has worth. If someone declares that it has value and is willing to, to pay for it. You see, you need to understand that this world has declared that you have no value. The reason you feel so insecure and worthless is because our world tells you you are nonstop. Our world thinks you're cheap. Our world, our world thinks that you can be purchased for pennies on the dollar with a few Instagram ads. You're cheap, man. Like the world does not see you as valuable or worth anything. 
But then Jesus comes along and Jesus says, well, first off, I created you. And when he created you, he created everything in this world and everything that he created, he said it was good. He created you and he said, you were very good. He declared value over your life. Then he came in and said, yeah, yeah. He said, he said you know, are, 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 you, are you not worth more than sparrows? I mean, I know the number of hairs on your head. That's, that's, that's declaring value, but come on, man. He, he didn't just say nice things that declares you value. He proved that you are valuable when he stretched his arms out on a cross and he died for you. He declared that you were worth dying for. Do you think he would die for someone of no value? Do you think he would pay the ultimate price and sacrifice his life for someone who was worthless? No, come on, man, you are, you are worth so much more than you understand. Jesus has declared value over your life and that's the value you gotta start walking in. I think, I think the most powerful thing that you could do this year to start the year off is start declaring over your life this truth, that because of Jesus, I am enough. Because of Jesus, you take that first part out, it's not true. You, you take the Jesus, Jesus is the one, like you have value because of what he has declared over your life. You take that part out and, I, and you're actually not enough. But because of Jesus, you actually can walk in the complete security and confidence that you are enough. You're enough as you exist right now. Some people aren't clapping because you don't believe it yet. It's okay. I got 20 more minutes to convince you. You're enough. If you, if you would start walking into work every day where it's cutthroat and there's, there's work politics all over the place and you're trying to earn and you're trying to close the sale and other people are getting promotions, you, you're navigating that whole thing. If you just walk in every day and say, before you, before you even get to your office, because of Jesus, whew, I'm enough. It would free you. If, if you'd walk into school and, and, and you're walking in through those hallways, you're walking to your locker and man, there's all the social games happening. There's all the crazy popularity stuff going on. There's everyone, you know, rumors and, and grades and teachers and man, there's so much pressure everywhere. If you just walk into school every day and say, because of Jesus, I am enough. No matter what anybody says about me, no matter what the grades say, I, I'm enough. If you, if, if you come home at night, right after a long day of work, and, and maybe you can relate to me in this. There's sometimes when I get home and, and you know, we'll eat dinner together as a family and I'll, I'll be parenting my kids, we'll put them to bed. And the first thought I have once I get my kids to bed is, man, I wish I was a better dad to them tonight. Man, I wish I could give them more. Man, I wish I, wish I was just a, a better parent. Like I just, I, I just want so much more for my kids. Man, if you could just let go of that pressure for a second and say, you know what, because of Jesus, I love my kids the best I could and that is enough. This is not to say that you don't need to change and you don't need to grow. That's, that, that's not all what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you are not without need for progress. I am saying that who you are right now is enough for what you're handling right now. That God has fully forgiven you, he fully loves you, and he's not done with you. You aren't where you used to be and you're not where you're gonna be. And you can live in the full confidence that because of Jesus, you are enough. And if you would start declaring that over your life every day, you would start to see no more pretending. No more pretending. Because of Jesus, you're enough. You don't have to pretend anymore. 
You don't have to act like your life is better than it really is. No more pretending, you, you don't have to. Who you are right now is forgiven and loved and redeemed and God has you on a path. You are in process making progress. You don't have to act like you got it all together. You can actually start putting your worst foot forward, right? You can start sharing your weaknesses and you'll see that your weaknesses are actually a weapon that God wants to use. You'll see that God wants to use your misery for ministry, right? Like, I, I, you, can, like, you can live a life that says no more pretending if you live in the confidence that because of Jesus, I am enough. If, if you would start declaring that over your life, you would see no more, next one, performing. No more performing. You don't have to live for likes anymore. Who cares if people don't like you? You don't have to put on a show for anyone anymore. If they don't like you, who cares? God likes you. You don't have to live with that pressure. Man, so many of, I, I, I believe this so much because I counsel people nonstop and I meet with people all the time and what I, I hear from people all the time. So many of us are living with so much pressure to be somebody, to accomplish something. And, and we, we oftentimes don't even know if we got what it takes. You need to start declaring over your life that because of Jesus, you're enough. No more performing. You are who you are. If, if, if you didn't earn another thing, if you didn't accomplish another thing, it's all good. It's all good. Jesus is fully approved of you, fully accepting of you. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. If you'd start declaring this over your life because of Jesus, that I'm enough, you'd start to see no more proving. I know so many of us in the room right now are living with a chip on our shoulder. And the reason we are the way we are is because we want to prove to that person who said that we couldn't do it, that we can do it. We want to prove to that parents that mistreated us that we're going to be better parents than they were. We're, we're going to prove to, you know, our old self that we're not going to fall back in those old ways. But like we live with that chip on our shoulder trying to prove ourselves. Man, I'm telling you, Jesus wants you to live free of that. The audition's over. You're approved. God loves you. You don't have to live with that pressure anymore, man. Because of Jesus, you're enough. And I think you would see that if you would start declaring this over your life, because of Jesus, I am enough, you would start to also be able to say that I'm free from my past. The reason that some of you feel worthless right now is because of what you did 10 years ago. The reason some of you struggle with self-confidence and self-worth is because of what was done to you 10 years ago. It's your past and, and, and you can't even think about performing for anyone or proving to anyone or, or, or any of that. You're so stuck in the past. And this is the thing that's actually keeping you from feeling confidence and having self-worth. I, I think Jesus wants to free you from it. I think, I, I think he wants to, you, you, you to walk in freedom from the guilt and the shame of your past. I'll never forget, it was, um, it was five years ago or so, five, six years ago, I did a, um, a private baptism service for these, um, these young girls. Uh, baptism, if you're new to faith, baptism is the public declaration of a private decision that you've made to follow Jesus. And uh, our, our next baptism service is January 30th. So on January 30th, when you come in, we'll have a baptistry set up right here and we'll be celebrating everybody who's made that decision to start following Jesus. It's like the best, the best day of the month always is when we do baptism Sundays. Um, but it was five or six years ago and there was this woman who was coming to our church and I knew about her because she ran a ministry in town that was dedicated to rescuing and rehabilitating 
young women who had experienced uh, really, really traumatic sexual abuse. So she, she was leading this ministry that was just changing lives. It was so, so incredible. She started coming to our church and um, I noticed week by week that she had more girls coming with her, more young girls. And I just, you know, you put two and two together. Those are probably girls from her ministry that she's leading. And so there are all these girls, there were 10 or 15 of them that started coming. And um, she sent me an email and she said, uh, Petey, these, these young girls that I've been bringing from our ministry, they've never been to a church that, that, that accepts them. They've never been to a church that preaches anything other than shame and guilt. And they're just loving it. And, and their lives are being transformed. And, and they wanna say yes to following Jesus. They wanna start their, their journey of following him. And so they wanna get baptized. I said, that's awesome. We got a baptism service coming up on this day, Lord. She's like, no, 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 we can't, we can't baptize them publicly because their situations are so um, intense and their, their, their location, like their whereabouts have to be kept confidential because they're still at risk. Like if, they're, if their abusers knew where they were, they would be in danger. And when you just think about like a, a teenage girl going through that, that that's their situation, it's just heartbreaking. But I will never forget as long as I live, seeing those 12, 15 girls in a private baptism service when you know, me and a couple of other staff members got to be a part of it, seeing them get in those waters and you know, they, the world had told them they were worthless. The world had treated them like they're worth nothing, discarded. And yet here they were saying, yes, I haven't felt like I've been enough ever, but I'm gonna get in these waters and I'm gonna proclaim my love for Jesus. And I'm gonna go down in the water, which symbolizes being buried with Jesus. Like Jesus was buried in a tomb, we sing about that. And then I'm gonna come up out of the water Right, symbolizing the resurrection of Jesus and symbolizing a new life. And then they would come out of the water and just raise their hands in victory. These girls who had been defeated by the world raise their hands in victory. They come up out of that water and, they, and, and they're walking into a new life where their value is not determined by the world anymore. Their worth is not determined by the world. They're choosing to, to go with God's valuation of them, not their past. They're free from it. And I saw these young girls begin to walk in freedom. And, and I believe that same freedom that they experienced is the freedom that God wants you to experience this year. Free from the pressure to prove and perform and pretend, free from the guilt and shame of your past, for you to be able to stand in total confidence in every situation, in every circumstance and say, because of Jesus, I'm enough. He wants that for you. Go, go put that last slide on the screen that kind of puts it all together for us. No more pretending. This is the life Jesus wants for you this year. No more pretending, no more performing, no more proving. I'm free from my past because of Jesus, I am enough. That's the life he wants for you. But it, but it, it, it requires you making a decision to go with God's valuation of you and not the world's. It requires you making a conscious decision to receive his love. And so I wanna give you the chance to make that decision. Some of you, it's for the first time. Some of you, it's for the first time in a long time. And we do this at the end of every service. We have a moment of response. Um, we, the, the worst thing we could ever do is preach a message and let it go in one ear and out the other and not make a decision, not actually lead to some life change. And so we wanna give you the chance to do that today. So would you stand with me to your feet? 
And this is a private moment between you and God. You know, this is, um, this is not, we're not parading anybody around the church. This is between you and God. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes just out of respect for everyone's spiritual journeys in the room. And, um, you know, if you're here, this, this, this first decision is for anyone that would not con- yet consider themselves a follower of Jesus, but you know you're ready to start. You don't have to have your life figured out. You don't have to have the Bible memorized, none of that. You just have to be ready to say yes to his love and yes to starting the journey. And if that's you and you wanna make that decision to start following Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and God. One, two, three. Awesome, incredible. It's beautiful, you can put your hands down. If you're here today, this, this next decision is for anybody and everybody. If you know that you have been living by the, by the world's valuation of you, and you've not felt like you're enough, but today you're ready to start walking in that love and receiving his love, walking in that confidence. Maybe it's been a long time since you've recognized how valuable you are in God's eyes. And you today want to want to recommit your steps to him and recommit to walking with that confidence that you're enough because of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. Amazing, hands up all over the room. That's incredible. Great, you can put your hands down. We're gonna pray together. And then we're gonna sing our gratitude to Jesus. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we don't have to, we don't have to depend on the world's valuation of us. The biggest lie the devil could ever tell us is that we're worthless. And we're thankful that today we get to reject that lie. God, I pray for, I pray for confidence in our church. Confidence that's rooted in you, rooted in your love for us. God, I pray that we would walk into our places of work and schools and homes with just that security and that confidence that because of you, we're enough. And God, we can't do that on our own. We need that, we need your spirit to teach us in that. And so I just pray that over our church right now. I pray security over our church right now. I pray a strong identity, a strong sense of self-worth over our church right now. God, I pray if there's anyone right now who's thinking about self-harm, that you would help them to see that they are enough because of you. God, help them to see it. God, God, I pray for hurting and broken marriages right now where spouses feel insecure and lacking confidence. God, I pray for people who are struggling in their jobs, struggling to wonder if they're, they're gonna make it this year. God, I pray that you give them confidence right now, that you love them, that you're their father, that you're not gonna let them fall. God, give us that confidence. And Jesus, we, we, we claim that love, that because of you, we are enough. And we're gonna sing that and we're gonna celebrate that together because it's good news. It's, it's, uh, it's bad news and it's depressing news uh, that, that the world feels that way about us, that the world treats us like that. But God is good news that we can come in this house and know who we really are. And so we celebrate that today and we sing together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Let's celebrate God's love today, guys. Come on, let's do it. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts.